welcome to Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Yes, we are back after a week off life after football resumes. Sad to report, though, in the next hour, there will be no cutaway shots of Taylor Swift. Uh, All right, babyface, we'll give you one. Yeah. Good enough? And Woo. now we move on. We've got a fun show for you today. Coming up, we have former NBA champ with the Boston Celtics, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. He's joining us. Does he think there's a team out there that could stop the Seas from winning the NBA title and save us from a summer of unbearable, braggy Boston fans? I sure as hell hope so. Plus, we aren't waiting for the brackets to come out to bet on the NCAA tournament from the Against All Odds podcast. The D3 joined me to discuss their number one seed parlays. And the NFL Combine isn't just for the scouts. You can make some money on props, including the 40-yard dash. We're going to break down those as well. And in a bit, I'm going to explain just how desperate we all are to bet on football again. So desperate that we are now breaking down trick shots. But first, let's recap this week's biggest stories in the segment that recently joined Roman Reigns in the WWE's bloodline. It's cover four. Cover one. All right, let's get the big controversial issue from this past weekend out of the way. Wake Forest, Duke, Wake wins the game and their fans chose to celebrate by, of course, storming the court. And in the process, Duke seven-foot superstar Kyle Filipowski got injured when one of the stormers ran into him. I don't know. Let's take a look. He had to be guided into the locker room by teammates. Whatever, he's fine now. And I immediately took to Twitter to express my disapproval and, of course, was met with the usual pushback. One guy said, God forbid the students have fun. Another said, bet you're fun at parties. And one fellow named Nelson said, just try getting back on TV. Hi, Nelson. I'm back on TV. Now, how about you just try amassing more followers than follows, you blue checkmark phony baloney you. But enough of my battles with these computer cowards. Here was my problem with the storming. Not that the kids are having too much fun or that a Duke player was kind of injured. My issue is that the student body ran wild in an over-the-top celebration despite the fact that their team was favored to win the game. Yes, the Demon Deacons closed at minus three, and I get that it's an in-state rival and all, but favored means you were supposed to win the game and then you did win the game. You ever heard of act like you've been there before? This is act like you opened up a newspaper and saw the spread before tip-off. Why are we losing our minds over events that are supposed to take place? We don't do this in other facets of life. No one throws a party every time they pick their kid up from Build-A-Bear on time. We don't do laps around the house after cracking an egg without getting any of the shell in the pan. Do you and your friends storm the Starbucks after your credit card is approved and the parking meter out front? Okay, I might actually okay that. Parking meters suck in Southern California. But here's my overall rule. Check Fandle before each game. If your school or team is a 15-point underdog in basketball or a 20-point underdog in football and they pull off the upset, storm away, baby. If not, leave your seats for the parking lot immediately so you could scream obscenities and taunt the visiting players as they enter the bus. And they say I'm not fun at parties. Coming too. All right, last weekend down in Atlanta, former Heisman winner and current ridiculous scarf enthusiast Cam Newton was involved in a fight at a seven-on-seven youth football camp. You've probably seen the melee by now, but here it is again. The skirmish doesn't really go anywhere. Still a way better ending than True Detective, but let's see more of this, actually. I must say, Cam is as elusive as ever. You can't catch him. He's like Rocky Balboa round three in his rematch with Clubber Lang. But the fact that he's dodging punches by the dozen isn't nearly as impressive as the fact that he's doing it while balancing a witch's hat on his head. Look at that thing. 
It's almost as if uh, Mr. Beast approached him and said, Cam, I'll give you $100,000 for every punch you duck, but you have to keep the witch's hat balanced on your noggin. This witch thing is even weirder than when Cam would come out looking like Hail Mary Poppins in a press conference. Remember that? He'd sulk about throwing three interceptions while wearing Meghan Markle's Kentucky Derby hat. What a few months it's been for Cam. First, he alienates half the league by calling Tua, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and Jared Goff game managers. And now he's fighting at a youth camp while auditioning for Wicked. I haven't seen a former quarterback this desperate for attention since Uncle Rico, who, coincidentally, I'm betting to be drafted in the fifth round this year. Go get him, Rico. This is our year. Cover three. All right, last year the talk of spring training was the rule changes. This year, it switched to the uniform changes, specifically the new unis provided by Fanatics. There's rightfully been an uproar by fans surrounding the small lettering for players' names on the jerseys, but those letters are not all the minuscule things the new uniforms will potentially feature. Check out the one-ply, paper-thin, uniform pants that Fanatics produced. Have you seen these? Yes, it's hard not to keep your eye on the ball. The season hasn't even begun, and we've already made the switch from pitch count to thread count. It's truly amazing that these pants passed MLB inspection. Who approved these? George Costanza? Major League Baseball made a statement, which also ended up being see-through. They actually came out and defended the diaper designs. It's not new cloth. It's just a new cut, they say, which is like KFC saying, hey, we didn't undercook the chicken. It just came to us like this. Look, I understand we want to broaden baseball's appeal, but there are better ways to get women to watch baseball that don't involve showing off players' peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I mean, it's one thing if just the players have to wear these see-through uniforms. What about all the 70-plus-year-old managers and coaches? Good thing they didn't have these when Tommy Lasorda was managing. Every time he came out to make a pitching change, they need to put up a sensor. Thank God we avoided that disaster. The only good thing is I could see maybe this leads to a bunch of funny new nicknames. Let's try a couple. Cody Bollinger, Mookie's Butts, Shohei Otani, C. Brian's Haynes, Evan Longoria, John Silver, Nice Harper, Matt Crotchenter. <laughs> okay, you know what? I take it back. Maybe these new uniforms are a genius marketing concept here to save America's pastime. Butter up. Cover four. All right, from fanatics to fantasy football, more uniform tidbits in the news. The other day, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Tim Meza was seen during his team's first spring training game, not in his normal number 58 jersey, instead wearing one that read 4 slash 10. Here it is. Uh, players and fans wondered what was up, and apparently the story is that Mesa came in last place in his fantasy football league with a 4-10 and record, and this was the punishment. In addition, he assumed the role of Bat Boy for the day. And all I can say is, boy, they are brutal up north. More evidence of Canada's take-no-prisoner approach to punishment. I'm kidding, of course. This is a slap on the wrist where I come from, but I was wondering how the actual Bat Boy feels. He's maybe happy to have the afternoon off, but also probably like, oh, they're making this loser do my job as a punishment because it's so beneath him. Great. Let me go shove my head in the pitching machine. Overall, I like this, though. Booby prizes and consequences for fantasy seller dwellers adds to the competition. I guarantee Tim Meza strives to do better. Next year, I bet he doesn't forget to put in a defense in Week 12. In fact, it got me thinking, why stop at fantasy football? Maybe pitchers' jersey numbers should be a reflection of their earned run average. And batters, they wear their on-base percentage. 
Sure, it's a pain in the rear for the equipment manager to stitch up new numbers every inning, but it's the ultimate accountability in sports. The threat of humiliation is a great motivator. What am I talking about? The answer is right there in front of us. If baseball players are ready for the ultimate punishment, fantasy or professionally, just force them to wear the Fanatics pants to church. Sunday's best is now putting on Sunday's worst. All right, that does it for cover four. Now it's time for my irrationally angry attempt to make rational sense of a somewhat irrational bet. It's Wager Rager. All right, I mentioned earlier how much people are still longing to wager on football. Well, our pigskin prayers have been answered. FanDuel is now offering odds on the NFL Combine. And this week, they let you bet on the bench press, cone drills, vertical measurements. I'm pretty sure you could still take a stab at tight end twerking times. Now, later in the show, the D3 and I will go over some of the 40-yard dash props. And then in a few weeks after the combine, we have the NFL draft. And a strange thing has happened with those props. Caleb Williams from USC, I'm sure you've heard of him. This guy has been projected to be the number one overall pick since, like, the Eisenhower administration. His odds were minus 6,000 last week. And Williams is still a prohibited favorite to go first, but... His number was cut by like a fourth to minus 1,600, and really for no reason other than this. That's Drake May from North Carolina hitting the crossbar from about 80 yards out. That viral video was enough to shrink the odds between him and Caleb Williams. Yeah, the bettors are so hungry to elevate someone other than Williams that they keep betting on May, and only because he freakishly doinked a crossbar with a toss from four-fifths of a field away. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a very impressive feat. I probably couldn't do that if he gave me three tries. But do you really think GMs have shifted talks to... Yeah, Caleb Williams is an outstanding athlete, and all his comps lead to Patrick Mahomes, but there's no evidence that he can hit a crossbar on a dime from across the field. Drake May's our guy. That's not a real conversation. The scouts and GMs who live and breathe this stuff are basing their decisions on two years' worth of tape and game day situational decisions. I promise they don't care if you're hanging out with Dude Perfect in a moving car tossing footballs into a basketball hoop. That's the rager. Here's the wager. After all this, I will bet on Drake May. But not to go first, Drake May will be selected second overall. And you can get that on FanDuel right now at a nice price of minus 135. Yes, I shall collect my winnings while Caleb and Drake practice acting excited about being drafted by the Commanders. Coming up, the D3 and I sprint to put in our NFL Combine 40-time bets and discuss which event we'd like to see added. But... When we return, Brian Scalabrini joins us to discuss who is this season's NBA MVP and also tell us if some legendary Celtics stories are fact or fiction. That's all next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Let's bring in our guest. This guy has done it all. He is an NBA champion. He's played in the Big Three. And with the Big Three, an analyst with NBC Sports Boston and host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. What's happening, Scalabrini? How you doing? No, life is good. You know, uh, football season is over, so it's all basketball. It's all request. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about this sort of push to the end of the season. You are. Okay. I'm excited too, but only if I can really make money on it. And I want you to help me with that. All right. Actually help me by talking me out of why wouldn't I bet the Celtics 
to win the Eastern Conference at even odds right now? I mean, you probably should if you're if you're into that. Like you like to safe bets. Um, you don't mm-hmm. seem like that type. You kind of want to feel like how do you go against the grain a little bit? But no, um, they're the best team. They're ready to win. You know, they've had success in the past with uh, Tatum and Brown. You add in, you know, last uh, two years ago, they added Derek White. He's really hitting his stride. This offseason was amazing with uh, Porzingis and Holiday. So they check every box. It's their championship to lose. It would be a, a like a, a complete debacle, a disaster if they don't get back to the NBA finals and probably if they don't win at all. All right. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I don't want to deal with the Jokic stuff just yet. I want to take them just to win the East. But I think if you and I talked last year at this time, we would not have thought like the Miami Heat could jump in and and take four, pick them off sure. or something. What what prevent I guess what I'm asking is what prevents that from happening? What in this team do you see that would prevent that from happening again? Yeah, you know, um they so their spacing's a, a lot better this year. Like their their shot distribution is better. It's like adding Holiday was an incredible pickup. He he's a guy that doesn't go out there and hunt his own shots. If they come to him, he takes them. But it's just Boston is we thought they were good last year. They are so much better this year, and they checked so many boxes this year. Like I said, it would have to be a disaster for the Celtics not to get out of the East. All right. I mean, you're completely biased, but I'm I'm going with it. I, that's all I needed from you. I'm going to bet them to win the East. That's all I did. The interview's over. I don't need anything else from you. No, right. uh, I appreciate that. Good talking that. to you. <laughs> Good talking. No, right, you, didn't need to... Me to know. you didn't need me to tell you that. You already knew that. You gave me the push, though. I like the way you brought uh, broke it down. But let's go to MVP, though, because it's really interesting. Well, not that Jokic is the favorite. In, in many people's eyes, he's the best. He said minus 155 favorite. SGA moved to plus 220. Why do you think Jason Tatum at 40 to one isn't getting much attention? Is it because he's thought of as a dual entry with Brown? No, I think it's a combination of a few things. Like Tatum has been there so many times, and Jason Tatum will have an opportunity to go head to head against those guys. Right now, he's 0 2 against those guys. So he has to go to Denver. I think he has to show out, and I think he has to win that game. And Oklahoma City comes to Boston. So I do think that there's a little bit of play there. Listen, momentum is funny when it comes to MVP, right? It might not be a bad idea to sprinkle a little bit there if the Celtics continue to win. And it, it might be a way of if Jason Tatum can get down to a 4-1 to odds, you might have a little bit of extra money to hedge a bet on that. So if you think the Celtics are going to finish strong, there's a good chance that Tatum moves up to a five to one to a four to one. And you can like figure out a way, like a nice sweet number right there where you can make some money from that. I want to ask you about Victor Wembenyama, who I call Wemby for short. I'm hoping that catches on uh, Wemby. <laughs> he hasn't disappointed this year. He had a five by five game the other night. Did you ever come close to getting a five by five? Yeah, I got five minutes, five shots, five misses. Five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm glad. You know what? I love how you throw out the five by five. It's a really yeah. difficult task, and you threw oh, yeah. it out there. Like, kudos to you. There's only one other rookie to do it. It was Tinsley in 2001. So, and and Jordan did the blocks and steals part, like Wemby. He, he and what? Those are the only two to do uh, twice. So, but anyway, what's impressed you most about this rookie so far? I, I think he has uh, like special qualities moving forward. Like I, I don't like, I haven't seen the idea of, you know, there's a translation between being amazing and winning, right? There's, there's a lot of young players who are amazing that do amazing things and amazing plays, but 
there's there's a gap between that. And I'll, t- I'll give you an example. Like Chet Holmgren doesn't wow you as much with the five by five and everything like that, but he's a winning player. Like Wemby is going to learn that. And I I think that, you know, growing up playing professional basketball at a young age, like bringing pushed along, like he has a really good head on his shoulders. Like a lot of a lot of beef right now about AAU and everything like that. The one thing that um the European game, I think they get it right is they don't gas up their young players. They don't tell them how great they are. They just tell them to go work. Yeah, he's doing all these crazy things and, and losing efforts, unfortunately, with the with the Spurs. But that was uh, interesting what you said. So if you were raising a, a, a boy or a girl to play, you know, hopefully in the NBA or WNBA, you would consider moving to Yugoslavia and doing <laughs> that, right? Just because of the no. way they'd be. Oh, you wouldn't. No. Or I could just not put them on Instagram, gas That's them true. up, and put them against <laughs> older people. <laughs> like you could just play and get your butt kicked every single day. It's not hard if you're 16 years old and I'm talking nasty, one of the best in the in the country. Just go find better players to play against. What does what does flexing and going on Instagram do for you at this point? I think though, I see what you're saying, but I think moving them to Yugoslavia would be easier than keeping them off Instagram, actually. At this point. You might be right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, are you familiar with Italian American super agent Sean Stellato? He's uh he was Tommy DeVito's agent, the Giants quarterback. They made a big deal out of him. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, like from a 30,000 foot view. That's it. But go that, ahead. That's a good distance, I would say. Because at the Super Bowl, <laughs> I met him and I asked him, I played a little game with him. I asked him if he could name 15 Italian restaurants in 30 seconds. And he could not. Actually, he did exactly 15, but he named the Olive Garden, which is oh. disgusting. I did not, I did not count that. I don't know if you think that's wrong, but I was like, yeah. no, sorry, you're disqualified. But I have another ethnic food related game for you. Are you ready for this? Sure. Okay, it's called Does Scalabrini Know Scalapini? Uh, I've checked various scalapini recipes online, probably too many over the last 24 hours. They seem to all have the same nine ingredients. I think you can name under seven and a half of them. If you name right. eight or more, I'm going to give you two tickets to the 2049 NBA All-Star Game. Okay? Because <laughs> you think I need two tickets to the 2049. Well, all right. Well, we'll, we'll see. All we'll right, see here we how go. much you need them. Go ahead. All right, so... But we'll just say pasta, even though I could take flour, water, salt, right? I could take those. Well, but salt do is going to definitely it. be in it. All right, flour, salt, veal, three, yep. good. Bread okay. it would be breadcrumbs, flour, egg. That's going to be in it. Mushrooms is going to be in it. Red wine is going to be in it. Pepper is going to be in it. Um, well, I think that's eight. I think I say I, I, I'm going to the 2049 NBA All-Star game and sitting at the very top. All right. I think I have to give it to him. Veal, flour, salt, pepper. You said butter? I should have said butter. Everything is butter. Uh, I think you but missed butter. Olive butter. oil. I don't know if you said it. You said mushrooms. I did. Wine. You missed parsley. I feel like you got six out of the nine I'm looking at here. But you know what? I'm going to give no. you one ticket. You know I, Keep I, I, you, no, Keep no, you'll get one ticket. One ticket. All right. <laughs> Me uh, and you will go together. That'll be great. All right. That was a dumb game, but I'll, I'll give you something else here. You played work now for the Celtics, a storied organization, a lot of myths surrounding the organization. I was hoping you could clear some of these up. We're going to call this game Celtics fact or fiction. All right. Okay. I'm going to give you a statement here. You tell me if it happened or it did not. 
Doc okay. Rivers, Doc Rivers really took $100 from each Celtics player and staffer Facts. and hit it in the locker room Staples Center and said, we'll get it back at the NBA Finals. Facts. Facts. Really? Yeah. And we were so excited to get our $100 back. The funniest <laughs> thing about NBA players, we will bet thousands of dollars on this and free throws and this and that, but somehow getting that $100 back was so rewarding. <laughs> yeah. It's like better than finding it in a coat or something. Wow. Exactly. So exactly. everybody had the money on them. I guess this is before like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Apple yeah. Pay we get per yeah. diem. When you get per diem, you get gotcha. an envelope. Everyone took the hundred out and gave it to him. Yeah. I see. Okay. And that worked. That's a good motivator. Uh, all right. Here's another one. Kevin Garnett, fact or fiction. He made his own teammate, Glenn, big baby Davis cry. They're in the middle of a game. But that's like, uh, that's fiction, but it is, looks very true. Uh, <laughs> Big Baby got blamed for something that he didn't do. And in the NBA, you don't like it. Like, we went in the game, and they went on an immediate 9-0 run. I was in there, Leon Poe and Big Baby were in there. And Leon Poe had an assignment, Big Baby, we blamed him for the assignment. It wasn't really his fault. And then KG came over to encourage him. It looked really demonstrative but that's how kg is he's not a demonstrative team teammate but he's demonstrative in the way that he encourages like yeah you gotta get this you gotta get this right mm-hmm. and then at that point big baby started crying because he got taken out of the game right so it's not <laughs> kg's fault but a lot of there's a lot of truth to it but right. there's uh it's not because of kg he was trying to encourage him to be better so if you're a big baby, by the way, you're going to get accused of crying at, at some point during your career. If your nickname is Big Baby, or regardless of Kevin Garnett is screaming in your face, what would you rather be crying over? Getting taken over the, out of the game or Kevin Garnett trying to motivate you? I'm not sure that's... Be- better story with the Garnett thing. Better, right. It's a legendary story. Right. right. I would have said I got dust in my eye or something, but I, I could see either, either way going. All right. And finally, here's the last one. Fact or fiction. The Boston Celtics once considered replacing Danny Ainge as their general manager with Bill Simmons. That can't be true. That can't be true. <laughs> and now, listen, Danny Ainge was there and we lost like, you know, 18 games in a row with Doc. Yeah. Right. I was there for the transition to the next group afterwards. I was having to be there for both. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they didn't talk about something like that, but. I think if you're around Danny, Danny, Danny carries himself as a guy that's never going to get fired. Trust me. It's not like he doesn't. Well, so does Bill Simmons. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. No, but yeah. Bill, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Bill, I, you know what? Those talks could have happened on some level. Uh-huh. I just can't imagine there was a lot of traction. I think this is probably the only level the talks have happened on. With between okay. you and I right well, where'd you now. get that from then? <laughs> I don't know. I made it up. I mean, some of the fact is fact and some of the fiction has to come from yep. uh, left field or half court as you will. All yeah. right. I think you did well. And I think you did better in that game than you did. Uh, does Scalabrini know Scalapini, but uh, oh. good effort either way. I should, I should have picked butter and oil. Everything had butter and oil in it. Everything's butter and oil. Yeah. NBC sports Boston is where you can find them. Co-host of Sirius XM NBA. Thanks so much for coming on, Brian. I appreciate it. You were great. By the way, I love your sense of humor, so keep it up. Oh, I was thinking of giving it up, but uh, I like to put, so I'm going to keep the sense of humor and the Celtics to win the East. So there you go. Appreciate it. All right. We'll be back with the D3 when we return on Cousin Sal's Money Week. All right. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Hey, let me bring in the true stars of this show from the Against All Odds podcast, my wizards of wagering, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds at D3, Harry, Brother Bry, and Darren the Parley Kid. What is happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? Well, Brother Bry, we had Brother Brian Scalabrini on uh, last segment, and he had some interesting thoughts. I'm curious to see what you guys think of this about Wemby, and he... He says that Wemby's catching on fast because he's European players. I'm going to crystallize what he says. He says they're not addicted to Instagram like our homegrown players out here. And so what do you guys think? First of all, Harry, I'm going to start with you with that because you are addicted to TikTok. Like if the, uh, God forbid, the White House exploded, you would only know about it if it was reported on TikTok. So um, what do you think about this? You're right. But I just think, listen, Sal, I think it's very smart by Wemby. Brian and I... Uh, before the season predicted uh, started, we predicted that he would be Rookie of the Year. Uh, don't know that that was going to be one of the reasons, but he's winning the uh, award regardless. Aside from not being uh, weighed down from Instagram, we know yeah. he would be. We didn't know he'd be this good. His dribbling, his coordination, his three-point shooting, his passing, his free-throw shooting—all mm-hmm. better than what we all expected. That's why he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and I think at minus six hundred. He should be even more than that. If Pop can get some free agents to come to San Antonio over the next couple of years, look out for San Antonio. I forget. I mean, they're not going to win anytime soon. But, yeah. yeah, all right. Well, back to – so maybe now he can get addicted to Instagram. Parley Kid, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> no, Parley Kid, if you could have raised a kid and get, been guaranteed they'd made the NBA – they got into the NBA, they were drafted in the first round, but you had to move to, like, Yugoslavia where, uh, to get away from all the noise. Would you do it for two years? Yes, yeah, so I would have moved anywhere. Uh, in, in the world, <laughs> okay. if, if you could have guaranteed me a professional athlete, 100%. But so I, I, I have to really disagree with uh, Scalabrini here uh, yeah. in this take because I think uh, kids everywhere are involved in the social media uh, game, as everybody tends to be. Even overseas. I think, okay. I think, I think this is more of Europeans focusing less on gameplay and more on skill development mm. at younger ages compared to what we do here in the States, where it's all games, games, and games. And uh, you just don't develop your skills by always playing games. You need skill work, skills, and drills are what make people better. Sal, Curry's father, you just talked about this the other day, he pulled his boys from AAU, and they didn't go back to AAU until they were seniors. What did they do? They practiced their skills. They did a lot of individual skill training. And right. that's why they're, uh, you know, Curry's the player he is. All right. So I think that's the biggest reason. Well, he he did mention that too, Scalabrini, but that wasn't as exciting to me as the Instagram <laughs> stuff. Brian, Brian, what about you? You're in the midst of this kind of. You you got you got a legend on your hand, a seventh grader that doesn't miss three points. <laughs> well, eighth eighth grade. But oh, um, right. okay. look, I'll say like, you know, I know Kobe always said that too, right? In terms of like the train, he was big more like part of the kid was just saying he was big more on training than actually playing in games. But I don't know. Maybe being seven four helps. It helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's bit. true. It helps a yeah. little bit. But I do think. I, look, I will say. I mean, knowing the basketball players, like even around here in New York, these kids do train a ton too. I think it's there's just some fundamentals of the game that they don't. You know, they're kind of a little bit more in it for themselves versus right. like an actual team game. Um, but you know. Well, we could also blame the Europeans for flopping and bringing that to the NBA team. Yeah, so there's that's a lot true of, too. There's pros and cons. <laughs> well, when you're not on Instagram, there's a lot of time to 
perfect flopping and stuff like that. Okay, but yes, the height probably helps. Well, listen, either way, one guy who didn't have any problems transitioning to the NBA, LeBron James, the NBA's all-time leading scorer, is on the verge of scoring 40,000 career points, and FanDuel has lines on which game it's going to happen in and the method of scoring it'll happen. So let's do this, Harry. Let's start off here. So the favorite is for him to do this on March 4th, what is that, Harry? You have the calendar memorized. That's Monday, Monday. against Oklahoma City. Um, the second favorite is Denver, March 2nd at plus 155. Real quick, I'll, I'm going to go with Denver, the first game. That's an ABC game. They're home. I think he wants to get it out of the way. It's kind of like an FU to Jokic. Let me do that. Maybe even sits against OKC. But the fact that that's Saturday night, I don't know well, it's stacked up. But I think he uh, breaks it there. But you said you have five reasons why it's going to be Denver. I might change my mind now. <laughs> five quick reasons. By the way, Sal, you mentioned a couple of them right there. Number one, they're at home. Number one. Number they're at home. Number two, on national TV, ABC, on Saturday night. Number three, he'll score just enough to fall short on leap day uh, versus the Wizards. Number four, he will make it all about him just the way he wants. And number five, all the talk March 1st leading into Saturday's game against Denver will be all about LeBron's accomplishments now and over the years. Get ready for Friday. Friday's going to be all about LeBron James Day. Okay. All right. Bri, I want to. I want you to uh, hit each one of Harry's five points. Let's start with number three, <laughs> then we'll go back, and then we'll go forward. No. Uh, all right. For, you know, Bri, you, you're going to mix it up because they also have how he's going to do it, right? Yeah. So three-pointer. Let me just read the uh, layup, plus 175. Three-pointer, plus 300. Other, plus 320. What's that, like a fadeaway? Just a jump shot, I guess? Yeah. Free throw, 500, and dunk, plus 550. We did this with Caitlin Clark. It was obviously a three-pointer from the moon. Uh, does LeBron try to upstage her? What do you think? Well, yeah, that would be tough to hit like a logo three here, right? Because if he doesn't do it, he's almost mocked for not doing right. it. But mm-hmm. I will say, like, I'm taking a three-point field goal plus 300. You know, when we did the Caitlin Clark, and you guys got it right, you and Harry, I really didn't give credit to how smart players are within the game, right? They're so much more aware of the situation. Now, with LeBron, though, it's a little different because, right, he already has the record. Um, and I don't know, are they going to stop the game when he gets to 40,000 points? I'm not sure, because every basket he makes is a new record, right, technically. So, uh, you know, I, I know it's a big accomplishment, but I don't know. I, I guess they'll stop the game. But these guys, you know, they know in the huge moment, right, a three-pointer you can really relish in that, right, or some crazy type of dunk. So yeah. I, even though he only averages like two threes a game, I just I like the odds at three to one of him hitting a three, because, again, you you just – there's something about hitting a three to break that record, right? I, I don't, I don't know what it is. A, a regular jumper or layup is going to be, yeah, not as, not as fun. I was trying to compare it to Caitlin Clark because she was two, what was she like, two for five? Well, he's shooting forty percent from three, which he hasn't done in a decade. But um, he also only shoots like five a game now, where he was more like seven or eight or nine uh, in his previous season. So it's interesting. So many points in the NBA if, if two. Threes. If he only gets six of them, you know, by three pointers, I wonder if that's the odds to go with. Polly kid, you don't care. You just hope that he does it against Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm going to go chalk here, plus 120 with OKC in that Monday night game. Uh, why not? I think Denver will just be too proud. I don't care how many points he needs, but if he needs 20 or more points in that game, Denver is going to be too proud to let it happen on their watch. He'll do it Monday night against OKC, which is still going to be 
I, that game is going to be all over the place, too. I, but, yeah. Seth, I could throw a little caveat in. I think the yeah. dunk is what's going to get it done at plus 550. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's that's LeBron. To me, LeBron, he's a power dunker. Alley-oop or, or just a little bit of a leak out, and LeBron does it in style. Uh, no, mm. that's how it will happen. I could see that. Maybe the defense gives up a little. Like, all right, you know, we don't want to get, you know, we're not going to get posterized here with a dunk. So, oh, lay, we'll just get out of the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun being able to bet on this. All right, let's switch over from props to uh, college hoops. Today is the first day of March, which means it's time for Harry's monthly shower. And more importantly, the NCAA <laughs> tournament only a few weeks away. But thanks to FanDuel, you can already bet on it. Right now, they're offering odds on who will receive a number one seed. And you could parlay these and try to nail all four teams. If they add a 15, we're totally screwed. But let's get to March Madness. Let's get it on the way. Harry, let's start it off. What do you like? Who are your four? Yeah, I'm going to go with Purdue, UConn, Houston, and the Tennessee Volunteers. Obviously, Purdue undefeated at home. They have great uh, non-conference wins against the Zags, Tennessee, Marquette, Zona, Alabama, UConn, 15-1 and in the last 16 in the Big East, Houston, 11-14 in the Big 12. They've held 11-14 times they've held opponents, sorry, uh, in in the Big 12 Conference, 60 points or less. And I'm going to take Tennessee, like I said, the 21-6, and six, last time I checked, tied with Alabama at 11-3 record in the SEC. They play Bama on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Huge game there. They win that one. The rest of the couple games they can take care of uh, in, the, in the regular season. I think they can do it and run the SEC tournament as well. All right. I should have read the stats off here first, the, tr- the numbers here. Purdue is minus 20,000. They're almost a lock for number one. Mm-hmm. UConn minus 6,000. They're right there with them. Houston minus 3,500. They're number one in the country. So why wouldn't they get a number one seed? And then we're talking Arizona minus 150. They're the last favorite, but only slightly. Harry's Tennessee Volunteers plus 170. UNC 9 to 1. Bri, you have Marquette at 14 to 1, which makes that parlay about. 16 to 1, right? Uh, yeah, it gets it to about 15. But um, yeah. look, look, <laughs> consensus, I, I do like Marquette here because consensus in the media seems to think Arizona will get it just because they have more quad one wins, they have more top 25 wins. But Marquette is really close. They don't have any terrible losses on, on the year. They beat Kansas easily earlier in the season. They just lost to Purdue. Now, look, I do think they beat UConn at home upcoming, right? UConn has mm-hmm. that, right? UConn just can't win these big games on the road. So I do like them there. And look, if they win out, which includes a really tough game at Creighton, like, I mean, I, I get that super tough. But yep. if you win that game pretty and have a pretty good run in the big East tournament, that should earn them a, a one seed. Even if UConn's also a one seed, the big East could get two. All right. I mean, Marquette's my team from preseason to win the whole thing. So uh, yeah, and the Big East is uh, really loaded. But all right, Paul, I kid, you're going a different way. You're taking Arizona. The favorite. yeah, I'll take Arizona here, Sal, because uh, as we speak, they are the fourth number one seed here. So uh, consensus from the experts and over a hundred brackets that have been posted recently, Arizona's seed averages a one point two. The next, the nearest. Uh, team is UNC at about a 1.8 and Tennessee at about a two. So right now, Arizona is the favorite. I know I'm 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 giving a, a minus 150 here on Arizona. You add it up, I barely get the better odds with those other obviously yep. obvious favorites. But I like Arizona to take care of business, Sal. So let's take let's just go chalk here. They'll be the fourth number one seed. 
All right. You know, I'm going to take a, a, a big swing here with UNC at plus 950. So that gets the four-team parlay with the other favorites, yeah. Purdue, UConn, Houston, to 10-1. to 1. They play NC State. They play Notre Dame. Uh, and then they're at Duke, who they beat by nine. So if they take care of that and win the conference, I think it's going to be tough to, you know, kick them out. By the way, Tennessee at Alabama, Harry mentioned at South Carolina and Kentucky. Those teams are all ranked. They could have nine losses by the time the tourney comes around. And Arizona has Oregon, who is on the outside looking in they, uh, at UCLA. So both teams above 500. So I'm going to take North Carolina at plus 950 to get that one seed. Hey. You didn't think we'd forget about football, right? Oh, no. When we return, we're going to talk NFL Combine. We're going to take a ride on the make-believe Verbo Casino, as well as a quarterback carousel. Yes, we're going to predict where Justin Fields and Russell Wilson land. All next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Cousin Sal's winning weekend, still joined by the D3. Today is the main event, the 40-yard dash. Harry, have you ever had your 40-yard uh, tested? I think I did. Remember I did when we were doing, uh, back yeah. when I was doing videos, and I did. I had my 40-yard my 40 yard. Oh, dash, yeah. And that was What'd that. you get? Uh, I think I'm still running. I remember. I remember. He's not done? I remember. Well, go ahead, Brian. What was it? Uh, it was 8.2. No, that's not true, well, is it? It was. It was a point. And, and, and it was handheld with himself timing it as he ran. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So we can knock so on Brian, Brian remembers all these about me. Always. Maybe he's a 7 9. Maybe he's a 7 9. All right. Listen, uh, so you could go to Fandle. You can bet it's today. So figure it out real quick. Uh, they have the fastest time over under. That's the one I'm going to take. 4.275. The under is minus 114. I just feel like guys are getting faster and faster. John Ross, no longer in the league, had a 4.22 seven years ago. Since then, there have been seven sub 4.3 times. You got Jalen Wright from Tennessee clocked at almost 24 miles an hour running a couple of times this year. Uh, Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver, will probably go to the Chiefs. Uh, Texas punt return lightning. He was clocked at 4.28 unofficially. But those are my guys. I'm going to go under. There's so, plenty of others trying to make a statement. Under 4.275 minus 114. And it's exciting to watch. All right, Parley Kid, what do you got? You're going, like, they have it by position. You're going D-back. Defensive back Tyler Owens from Texas Tech at plus 185 to be the fastest defensive back. Sal, this is a kid that went through uh, high school in Texas. He was a 100-meter champion in mm. high school. He was also on the 4 by 2 relay team, which you have to be, and he was a champion in that. You have to be a stud runner to be good in those events, especially in a state like Texas, when you're the premier fast guy in the state of Texas. And here's what I like about this for this kid, too. I actually think he's a 6'2", 210-pound player, too, and this kid can run, yet he's projected to go late in the draft. He needs mm. to run a blistering 40-time to bolster yeah. his draft stock. So this 40 is more important to him than to even most players. I think he shows up and shows out and runs an unbelievable 40. I wouldn't be surprised if this kid has the best 40 time in the whole combine Good. as well, Sal. Do it under 4.275, and I like it. That would be right. That's great. Uh, Let's do yeah, it. I just, I'm with you, Polly Kid, but, you know, Harry also needed to post a good time, and he just he, it was an 8.2. I think he thought he was going <laughs> to. Get by on his smarts because he aced the Wonderlook test, and, and then he just <laughs> fell apart. So, 
I'm not sure what to think. All right, Brother Bry, fastest wide receiver. This is a fun one. Yeah, I'm going with Roman Wilson from Michigan at plus 850 to be the fastest receiver. Look, last year, DJ Turner from Michigan recorded one of the fastest times in the history of the combine. I think he was a 4-2-6, I think top five all time. It's possible mm -hmm. maybe it's something in the way they train with Michigan here, right, in the offseason. Uh, he ran a 4-3-7 in high school which we know in high school could be off those times, but still blistering fast, right? And he's projected to run one of the fastest times. And with a plus eight, 850, I, I thought that was the best number, considering if you look at the top four guys, I mean, they're all going to be within like .05 of each other. So yeah. I think it's worth it to take one of these long shots here. All right, Harry, you have a matchup here. You could, you yeah. could go, you pick one pl player A versus player B. Tell us what you have. FanDuel, fantastic having these player matchups. I'm going to take... Uh, Blake Corum, minus 140 over Jaden Daniels. Look, Corum, uh, above average quickness, has been injured before in the past. We know in 2022 he had an MCL tear. Uh, but in Michigan at two th in the year of 2023, he was unbelievable. Looked like those injuries were years of past. His best time ever is 4.44. And he's going to need to impress since he's running back to impress the scouts and move up the ranks. Meanwhile, Jaden Daniels, we pretty much know he's going to be you know, somewhere in the first round, doesn't have to really show off. And five years ago, he got clocked at over 4.5 at Arizona State. So with with uh, Corum having a 4.44 to his record, I'm going to take it and lay the 140. Uh, it's a lot of numbers, 140, 4.5. But listen, all this NFL Combine talk got the make-believe Riverboat Casino captain thinking, if you guys could add one event to the NFL Combine, which would you choose? Would you take arm wrestling, 3-1 to one odds, Extra point block, 10 to 1 odds. Gatorade dump, 17 to 1 odds. Or tackle the streaker at 25 to 1 odds. Or you could take the field at even. Bryce, start us off. What are you adding? Well, I'm going to take the field. So, look, I, always, I would say, like, I always wanted them to incorporate any of those old Jameis Winston training methods into the event. Yeah. That, that would have been fun. But, Sal, what is the most important play in football right now? It's, or at least it seems, right? Fourth, tush push? Yeah. Oh, fourth yeah. and one, the tush push, right? So yeah. why not have... Let's test out these quarterbacks. Let's have them push some ridiculously heavy sleds that are, that are low to the ground, right? You got to think now, think training montage, right? And Rocky Four with Rocky pulling the sled mm. or Drago doing whatever machine he was doing. Just think, yeah, if you're pulling, you're pulling Pauly, right? You, you could see, yeah. you could see how well you do in, in that event. I think that would be fun. I like that a lot. Uh, Pauly Kid, what are you adding? So I'm not going to add anything. I'm just going to tweak everything. Here, Sal. Hmm. So I'm going to take the field, and I'm tweaking. You know what I'm, how I'm tweaking it, Sal? I really think this is how it should be done. These guys, especially when they run the 40, when they throw passes, they should have their equipment on, Sal. Oh, yeah. Put the equipment on. Put a helmet on. Put the shoulder pads on. Let's see what you can do for real. That's the, like, right, they always said Jerry Rice, right? Like, his 40 time wasn't great, but for some reason he seemed faster in pads. I yeah. want to know who those guys are. So I'm not changing anything, but I'm tweaking it. Let's see them do it in the pads. By the way, I'll do you one better. This is not my answer, but how about throw some weather conditions in there? Don't you think the Dolphins would have loved to have seen how Tua crumbles in the, in the snowy and the, the cold like and the 20 like degrees? It. Yeah, throw like a Beyonce fan on him right there as he's dropping <laughs> back to pass. All right, Harry, what do you got? You know what? I'm going to take, uh, take tackle the streaker. I mean, we love, when we do get to see this, it's it's always hilarious. And I'm going to say for all the crap I give you and Parley Kid, 
uh, about your guy, Tony Romo. Uh, he was great in the Super Bowl when the streaker was going on. You know, overstepped, uh, you know, Jim Nance and did actually play-by-play play on the streaker until until he was told probably by somebody in his ear to zip it because usually the NFL or whoever else, other leagues, like, uh, frown upon showing that. Yeah, they don't uh, show it. Great. Yeah. I give Tony thumbs up, Sal. Th- thumbs up. He was great in that deal, uh, announcing for what he could. For right. it. I thought that'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, good. I'll tell him. Maybe the combine should be announced. Players announcing a streaker getting tacked. I don't know. Now we're getting really deep in the weeds. You know what? I'm going to add one thing here. Um, I am going to say diving at the pylon with the ball. Bri, I don't care if you run a 3-6-40 and you can throw the ball 120 yards. If you can't dive for a pylon and hold on to that ball as you're slamming it against the pylon, I don't want to see in a uniform playing on Sundays. I'm not saying they should do it like 50, 60 times, but you know, practice 25, 30 times if you could do it without fumbling it. That's my pick. I like that as the field. Brian, you would like that. Yeah, Derek Carr. Well, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say yeah. that would be called the Derek Carr drill. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it would be called. All right, listen, one last thing. It's time. This time of year always brings a lot of speculation of where quarterbacks might land. Harry, you famously predicted Tom Brady would end up in Tampa. I know this because you would never stop shutting up about it. So let's quickly, quickly give out our predictions on where two of the most discussed potential moves are for quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Russell Wilson. Harry, start us off. Uh, well, I'm going to take uh, Fields going to Atlanta. Look, I know it'd be another different offensive corner, coordinator for Fields, but I think with Robinson in the backfield, Algier in the backfield, uh, they could be one heck of a running team. He could take off with his legs. He did a great job in Chicago so far. Uh, not saying he's not going to go back there, but if he did go to Atlanta, we do know that in three years in Chicago, he had over 2,000 yards rushing, and maybe he could get Kyle Pitts right as well. And I'm going to take Wilson. I'm going to take Russell Wilson going to New England. Uh, Pats won just four games last year. Jones and Zappi, 16 touchdowns, 21 picks combined. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson had 26 and 8. And again, better than Mahomes, who had 27 and 14. Russell's 35 years old. Give him a shot. One more shot to be a NFL starter and, uh, and do it in New England, where, you know, like I said, only four wins. Why not? Parley kid, you also had fields to Atlanta. Why is Wilson going to the Vikings? Wilson, Sal, I like Wilson to the Vikings. I don't think people are talking about this, but here's the thing. The Vikings have to evaluate where they are. They could sign Cousins, their own 35-year-old quarterback, to a multi-year, multi-multi-million dollar deal and still be okay. Or you could bring Russell Wilson, who could probably give you the same exact production on like a one-year deal in Minnesota for about a million or two dollars. So mm-hmm. this makes so much sense to me for Wilson to end up there. I don't think Minnesota would lose that much with mm-hmm. Russell taking over the helm there. And they could let, because Cousins is going to get paid, Sal. If I'm Minnesota, yeah. I'm not rolling the dice. I'll just bring does. Russell Wilson in at a discount. <laughs> this will be his fifth time getting paid. Brian, you have fields to Atlanta as well. Wilson to Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, look, I, I like them to Pittsburgh. Look, it's we know it's become hard to watch the Steelers at this point, but they need to bring in a veteran. At, at this point, they need just for just for watchability, right, for us. But look, mm-hmm. they have that winning culture. They have that way. So I think Wilson really, he would fit that. And, you know, I, I wonder what Sol Jolman thinks here. But, again, they they got to bring in somebody. And like Parley Kidd was saying, I think, you know, you could probably get him on a one-year deal right now at, at a pretty low price. Price here. Hard pass. Oh, <laughs> Sol Jalman says hard pass. All right, so I don't know what you're going to do because, I mean, if it's up to me, I think Fields goes to the Patriots. That moves things up. Watch them get involved in the last minute. I know the Steelers are closest, uh, you know, 
allegedly in deal. They're offering a yeah. two. Uh, they want a one, the Bears for Fields. but And I'm like Wilson to Atlanta. It just seems like a good fit there. All right, guys, see, we managed to get football in. It's not so bad. Just five more months until training camp. We could do it. Thanks, fellas. As for the rest of you, don't move. We'll be back to close things out on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Hey, that does it for this week. My thanks again to Big Red, Brian Scalabrini, as well as Big Head, Harry, Brother Brian, and the Parley Kid, Darren. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Please always remember, you may feel like an underdog, but just know you're all my favorites. Happy handicapping.